It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 82, David and the Spirit of Honor. Have you ever thought about the concept of waiting on the Lord? We know God keeps his promises, but he's on a different time schedule than we are. If I made you a promise and made you wait for 10 years for it, you would probably call me a liar, right? Because I could have, but I didn't fulfill my word for years and years. We cannot look at God the same way. Yes, he could fulfill every promise in a heartbeat, but he doesn't. God is into the waiting. Life is into the waiting. In fact, all through the Bible, the heroes' lives are mostly made in the waiting. It's in the waiting that new dreams are birthed and character is born and transformation continues in their hearts. As much as David longed for peace and security to finally become king, sometimes, sometimes, retroactively, I would believe that the mighty men looked back on their time of hardship in the wilderness as one of the best times of their life in many ways. Let me explain this thought. Where in biblical history do you see the closeness of the body of God's servants working together without outside interference? God's servants operating in an independence of outside temptations that kept them from their assignments and friendships and relationships. There was a simplicity in the waiting in the wilderness, that was a unique part of the journey of David and his men. Let's paint a picture of the life of the mobile camp of David, and with it, what could have been with the prophecy that sets the course of the next encounter with Saul. Picture this with me. David was playing his lyre at night over the campfire in the wilderness of Judah. The men were eating lamb, listening to David. A few of the soldiers joined in the singing. Gad picked up a harp, played as he prophesied, sometimes loudly, sometimes softly. Abiathar, in his ephod, sang aloud as the tempo rose and familiar choruses rang over the men. All of them joined in the singing and worship of God. In this place, David could have sang this song. Psalm 63, a psalm of David, when he was in the desert of Judah, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your glory and your power. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouth of liars will be silenced. After the singing of this psalm, Gad spoke up and said he had an important word. And when the worship sounds died down, Gad stood up and said these words, 
David, I have a word from God for you. A silence hits the fields as the men grow quiet. The instruments fell silent as well, and only the sound of the fire could be heard. David in turn closed his eyes and opened his hands as if he was receiving a gift, and Gad spoke these words. God is going to give your enemies into your hands, and into your hands you will be given the opportunity to do as you choose. All ears were listening, especially the warriors who looked forward to the day David became king. Everyone was attentive, which made the wind so pronounced, as it increased and increased from a soft breeze to a steady wind into a fervor. As if God was confirming the word said by Gad, for the swift wind came upon them, kicking ashes and forcing the men to stumble back and avoid the rustling of the fire and the swift swirling winds that caused it to be extinguished swiftly, leaving darkness and a stillness set in as the wind ceased and the chill and cold of night permeated their bones, leaving the men speechless with only the words of God through Gad penetrating them deeply. David, God is going to give your enemies into your hands. God is going to give your enemies into your hands. It was a restless night for the men, and it ended early. For in the morning, David caught word of Saul's pickets were closing in. David rushed the men into the cave at Engedi. Now that we have set the scene and know that there was a prophecy regarding David obtaining a future opportunity to take the life of his enemies, whether it happened like the scene just described or it was silently delivered in a note from Samuel, we don't know. But we do know, coming into this scene with Saul in the cave of Engedi, David and his men were prophesied that there would be a time when David would have an opportunity to do whatever he desired against his enemies. This is how it went down. 1 Samuel 24 After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you choose. Then David crept unnoticed, cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. So David snuck up on Saul, cut off the hem of his garment. Does that ring a bell? Check out his repentance. It said he was conscious stricken just for cutting off a corner of his garment. The language is very intense. There's something extra here. When Saul tore Samuel's garment, Samuel issued the prophecy of his kingdom being torn from him. When the woman with the bleeding problem touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she was healed. Some say Jesus was wearing a tallit with the promises of God upon the hems. And when she touched it, she received the power of God. David snipped the hem of Saul's cape, and he was conscience stricken. 
If Saul was wearing a tallit, there could be some more meaning here. But regardless, David is utterly cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit for his action, and he stops any other thoughts of aggressive action. In fact, he rebukes his men for encouraging violence. The conviction of God upon David just for cutting a piece of his robe shows the sensitivity David has to the Spirit of God. Here's a hard one. What would you do in this case? It's a hard one. Would you take the life of the one who desires to take yours? If you know it meant an end to an endless pursuit, what would you do? David refuses to exercise force and claim the kingdom himself. Despite all the hardship and violence Saul was bent on, David refused to give in. He showed mercy and crazy honor by not killing the one in authority who sought his own life. This is something that truly sets David apart. It reminds me of Apostle Paul when he receives prophecies that the Jews would betray him, but he still goes to Jerusalem. Here's a prophecy that his enemy would be given over to him, but David also had a word from God. He said, the Lord forbid I do such a thing. The other word was, your enemy would be giving into your hands. This truly happened, but David was given additional instructions, independently on what to do in a situation like this. David showed honor by not killing Saul and showed him mercy. He showed honor to the one in authority, no matter the injustice shown to him. In a practical sense, David understood what goes around comes around. I kill you, someone will later kill me. It's just the way of the world, and David was not like that. He didn't need man's power. This grand action showed greater spiritual strength and spiritual power. That he could say no to worldly power and the seizure of it. God will fulfill his promises. David wasn't going to fulfill God's promises. Remember Abraham? He birthed Ishmael when he should have waited. David refused to take God's promises and fulfill them himself. A kingship birthed in bloodshed would be a kingdom of bloodshed. David understood this and showed mercy. It's this character that makes David shine. The account continues. 1 Samuel 24, 8. Then David went out of the cave and said to Saul, My lord, the king, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David has been on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of the robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. I looked up this section of scripture and compared it to Josephus' History of the Jews. And Josephus really nails it here. Check out what he said right here. This is David's response to Saul after the scene. For if I wanted to kill you, I could have done so just now. For when I cut off the skirt of your garment, I could have easily done the same to your head. Isn't that wild? When I cut off the skirt of your garment, I could have easily done so to the same to your head. Josephus nails it here. Powerful language. Let's keep going. The biblical account continues. David continues to speak here. 
1 Samuel 24, 12. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. And against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. And when David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he not let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. So Saul is just humiliated by this scene and cut to the heart, and he calls off his men, at least for the moment, and drops his desire to take David's life. So let's conclude this episode with a discussion on the concept of mercy. Consider the Roman emperor who has the power of life and death in his hands in the Colosseum. When the loser of the gladiator contest has the sword to his throat and the victor looks to the emperor for the thumbs down, judgment and death, or the thumbs up, a second chance, life and mercy. Kind of sounds like Deuteronomy 30.15. See, I set before you today life, prosperity, death, or destruction. Wow, intensity. It was the mercy of Julius Caesar that enamored the people to him after the civil war in the days of Rome. Here is David with the sword at the back of Saul, who was naked and exposed. What did David do? He showed mercy. Moses would learn in Exodus 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. What about Jesus in Matthew 5? Those who show mercy will receive mercy. But there's something greater at work here. It's insane honor. David honored like few before him. Not only did he show mercy, but he honored and blessed his enemy. He poured coals upon the fire with forgiveness and blessing. What would you do in this situation? What do you do when someone wrongs you? Do you sulk? Do you complain? Do you curse? What about those in authority? As a follower of Jesus, we have to understand our place in this world and to serve where God has placed us to bless, not curse, to serve and love those in authority regardless of their actions. David had an understanding of authority that was much greater than ours. He understood that he reported to God who was above people and places, that true authority rested with him, and David was accountable to God alone. David's role was to bless those in authority and to represent God to them. His action and our actions of mercy show a greater spiritual power is at work today in the servants of those who operate in mercy. Here's the Webster 1828 definition of mercy. 
that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves, the disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which comes nearest to it is grace, and implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity or compassion, and clemency, but exercising only towards offenders. Mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the Supreme Being. If mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the Supreme Being, and God is with us, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, let us be a people who display and walk in great mercy, demonstrating the love of God to all those around us. The world fights with weapons and words and the means of man, but those who love God have the disposition and demonstration of mercy and grace and love. David displayed this character in the cave before Saul. Jesus was this character when he could have called upon legions of angels, but instead he carried the cross set before him and made a way for all mankind to come to God and receive his mercy and grace and love. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we discuss David, that fool Nabal, and the hero Abigail. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.